Consequence Podcast Network. My friendship to all of you precludes my involvement with any one of you. But if you want to make love, then I do too. And I'll be right there behind you. Constant listeners, and welcome yet again to the Losers Club, a Stephen King podcast from the Consequence Podcast Network. If you're a constant listener, you know that we went a little long in our Needful Tweets episode last week, and uh, we postponed our Bag of Bones discussion, which went long and is very good. Uh, we postponed it uh, for today. Now you have it, and here it is. Welcome to Bag of Bones. Rattling Bones. Rattling Bones. This is the uh, section of the show that we do every couple months where we answer your questions. We, uh, you know, we ask you guys to ask us questions about King, whatever you're interested in, what you would like to hear us talk about, and we talk about them. We don't, we're not able to take every submission that you guys have, but we try to do our best to do as many as we can. So let's just get started. Let's start with uh, Selena Winters. She asks us. Is there a subgenre of horror that you guys specifically like? For example, splatterpunk, sci-fi horror, etc. I have a very easy answer for this. Mm-hmm. Tech horror. Uh. I love horror that incorporates the internet or incorporates social media or incorporates sort of like, I don't know, because I'm not like one of those guys who's like, uh, maybe you should look up from your phone once in a while because I think that's really annoying because I'm like, I love my smartphone. But at the same time, I am intrigued by the ways in which social media and digital technology and connectedness has really fundamentally changed culture. And so I love movies like Unfriended, Unfriended Dark Web were both really good. The Bay is another really good one. Um, any movie that really touches on, um, I don't know, like the horrors that kind of accompany uh, being online all the time. Mm-hmm. That's a very interesting idea to me. That's funny because I, I'm the complete opposite. I don't, I don't think I like any of that stuff. I'd actually love a recommendation from you of something that you think is really good tech horror wise because unfriended dark web, unfriended dark web. I'll, That's check, my I'll check it out. I, I just, I, I guess like, I think black mirror touches on that a little bit in terms of like yep. technology horror. And I, and I think that some of those episodes in the first few seasons um, are really great and very disturbing. I like my Victorian horror, Ooh, uh, ah, which is funny vampires. because I feel like that's really hard to do. I think I just really love the haunting <laughs> and, and that's not even, that's not even really Victorian. Huh? That's just like a Victorian house, <laughs> you know, like not even, did you like um, the others with Nicole Kidman? I did like the, a others. lot of people love that movie. I, you know, I, I think that that movie is really good. It was misleading. I didn't, I didn't see the ending coming. Uh, I didn't either. But I, I just I think what's appealing to me is horror is the complete opposite where they don't have the technology they don't have the ability you know that's why I think a lot of movies that take place now horror wise it's, it's hard for me to because you're just like well there's so many ways you can get out of this How? Yeah. and you have to set up so many ways for them to not have to deal with cell phones or this or this or that that it just comes off as fake as hell so when you set something in the past um, I'm just always very interested in. Uh, how they, I think because also there's a little bit of a, the unknown was still very unknown and people kind of did believe in these things. And I think that that belief in that, and that magic's there, I guess, in that sense. So how about you, Mike? I love me some body horror. Ooh. So give me that some was my, that was my runner up. Yeah. I, I just think it's the most personal type of horror you could have. And, you know, we're stuck in these bodies. So if that fails, then oops. So oops. for me, the fly has stuck with me forever. Uh, you society? know, society, society. Oh God, that movie is <laughs> fucked, but I've never seen society. Uh, what is that? It's not a, it's, it's a total C movie. That's wired with some great, great fucking special effects. effects. Yeah. yeah. Woof. So. All right. Um, but then, uh, you know, that's why I'm excited for Stranger Things because there's going to be some body horror in this next season. Oh, well, yeah. That's very true. I can't wait. Luke Johnson asks if Ari Aster, the director of Hereditary, which we all loved, uh, were to helm a king property, which would you choose? What do you guys think? Do you have an answer? 
I have a couple different thoughts here. I love Ari Aster. I love how unsentimental he is. Me and too. I, yeah. I love how um, I love the way he toys with demons and sort of cults and ritual and things like that, which is why I think it could be kind of fun to see him tackle. Sometimes they come back. Oh, man, that would be interesting. Which, you know, it's not a story that any of us love, but it toys with demonic ideas and uh, and. I think the biggest problem with the movie, which I remember Justo and I at least uh, preferred over the short story in Night Shift, was that it was too sentimental. It was too sweet. It was too silly. And I feel like the ending of the book, which is a bit darker, uh, I think he could nail a lot better. So I don't know. I think that that could be a really good one. And I guess my backup would be Pet Cemetery because you really do need... Um, you need somebody who takes the weight and the grief of Pet Cemetery seriously. And if there's one thing he demonstrated in Hereditary, it's that he knows how to take grief seriously. <laughs> so, yeah, so those are my uh, those are my picks. You know, I I've always wanted to see Christopher Nolan do The Shining. Yeah. But I think Ari Aster could really do an amazing version of The Shining. Yeah. yeah I was just about to say that. Oh, really? <laughs> no, that's good. It's because I think that the de- the play on the demons and the dead and mm-hmm. hereditary are are done so well and creepily in the background and just i think that you, you're, he's able to capture something that not a lot of directors can in terms of keeping something just just in the corner of your eye and just be absolutely horrifying and i think that's that's yeah. subtle ghost storytelling is few and far between and the shining is absolutely that yeah, I, I just imagine all those scenes or look back to all those scenes in Hereditary that are just so subtle. Uh, you know, like even in the first episode, the first time I watched that movie, I didn't even catch that her mother is just standing there in the studio. Oh, that's like the best and part. And that's the scariest scene. So, so when good. I finally did watch it in my house. Oh, God, when she's I just could, sitting there behind yeah, the thing. When she's like, just standing there in the corner. That that is still I think about that sometimes when I'm like going to the bathroom in the middle of the night and I and I like I just run down. Yeah, you know, a couple of friends of mine from work, they don't like this movie. They don't think it's scary at all. They don't understand it. And they didn't understand so much so that they read an article about it, all about it and kind of explaining all the scares and what, what was going on the whole time, which I don't think it's hard to follow, but they they just had a hard time following it. Uh, went back and watched it again because they were convinced that they just, now that they know that they're going to really love it and they still didn't like it. Oh man. Um, I, I don't think it's for everybody, but yeah. man, it's for me. me it scared the fuck out of me. Scariest movie I've seen in years. Yeah. I agree. I thought I it was so it. well yeah. done. Can't wait yeah. for midsummer. Yeah. And, uh, and the shining <laughs> and the shining. Let's put amazing. it out there in the universe. Let's just do it. Do it. If you're going to do it do it with Ari Aster. Mm-hmm. Simon Blaby asks, in your opinion, would a realistic depiction of the running man be filmable these days? I think when he says realistic, it's probably not the Arnold version, uh, probably maybe a little more hued towards the uh, the book. And um, and he said, your top three picks as directors. Me, I don't think I want this. I hate The Running Man. I'm not a fan. I mean, I want the I just I'll just go back and watch the Arnold version because I prefer it. I got I got a good one. Bring it. I do want to see The Running Man. I want them to to go all in on the ending, but really earn it. So you're going to have to rewrite the, you know, the third section of whatever, <laughs> uh, basically the last third of the book you'd have to, re- to kind of redo and you could do that. And one person I think could do that. I can't name three, but I can name one S Craig Zoller. Oh shit. Yeah. Of, uh, bone tomahawk, bone tomahawk. Drag across concrete and then cell block 99. Yeah. Brawl and cell block 99. I would love to see him just do this balls to wall, unforgiving, just doesn't give a shit running man. Yeah. I'm a fan of his. I like his mm-hmm. flicks. I was going to say James Wan. (laughs) Get out of here. With Doberman writing it? That'd be great. Uh, (laughs) No, I honestly don't really have one for this one. Yeah. Sorry. I I don't really want to see this ever done. I didn't think it was that great. Sean Maloney asks, in the movie 10 Cloverfield Lane, good movie, a copy of Dreamcatcher can be seen among the few books in John Goodman's Doomsday Bunker. What books would each loser include in an end-of-days mini-library, and which King books would be among them? Not Dreamcatcher. Yeah, definitely not Dreamcatcher. I mean, honestly, I'd probably keep, like, Night Shift. I'd want to, because that's, like, the best short collection in my opinion. I agree. And then Needful Things, maybe, because I find that book, like, a feast. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, not Pet Cemetery. It's a little too dark. Maybe. The Stand? 
Yeah, I, I would say the stand, any sprawling, yeah. anything to get me, if I'm going to be in a bunker, mm-hmm. I want the Dark Tower series. I want to go to these other worlds. I want other, I would dream of other places and things. Uh, I think the night shift's great because that's just such a great yeah. grab of, of, of just different thing all over the place, you know, uh, different adventures. Uh, I, 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 I think I would also have um, the entire Frog and Toad collection and also... <laughs> <laughs> the Berenstein Bears books. Oh, all um, of them? Yeah, all of them. That's too many. All of them. I, w- I would many. want the Berenstein Bears books and then also all the Happy Meals toys from the Berenstein Bears from the early 90s. That'd be oh, fun. That if, would be in a, a, a post-nuclear waste. I would want I would, I would want the entire collection of Jim Davis's Garfield. Uh, I would love uh, I would love all of uh, Charles Schultz's peanuts because I would want those uh, life lessons. You guys are asking for way too much. You don't get this many. Books. Oh, do we, how many books do we get? You get, get a mini like, library. You get a little mini library, but you're they talking about what, all they the Berenstain Bears hey, books. I Sean writes, Sean of, writes, what books would each loser include in an end of days mini library? Mini is, is the a key mini, word. What, what constitutes a mini library to you? Like, uh, like our bookshelf and, right here? Yeah. Okay, so you can't fit all the bears like a hundred books. books. You can't fit all well, bears. He's referencing Dreamcatcher well, here, and Jonesy in that book has quite a fucking library in his head. So that's, what that's what I'm having. Well, in our mini head libraries, well, if you know you're just though, you're just gonna have a fucking Kindle with all your shit on you it. You know what so. I would keep? I have two. I have the original scripts for well, not the why did I say original? Original the books, uh, uh, printed, published versions of the scripts for the BBC Office oh. and the extras that are Ricky Gervais. So you're just going to like recreate these episodes no, in Bunker? No. Well, maybe if you get bored enough. But those those two series are two of my all-time favorite comedies. They're always in your bathroom, the, too. Yeah, they're in my bathroom because they're great poop reading. <laughs> it's good poop reading. Because you just open to a page, you get a laugh, you, you drop do. some you drop some deuce, and then you're a laugh. I would you yeah, know, what's funny is that I have a lot of graphic novels, so I would probably, because you're not going to get art anywhere anymore, I would probably stock up draw on like, yeah, mm. <laughs> yeah, I would draw my own, but I would, I would have all of uh, Brian K. Vaughn's saga. I love that. It's so good. Yeah. And it also you takes place in space. Yeah, I, I, I do. Um, that, that, that movie will be made or that series will be made. And, um, Oh, I, uh, it, it, it'll be great because it's very Game of Thrones, and it, it definitely it, the twists and turns that you don't see coming, and they are ballsy as hell. Wait, what is it? Saga. Oh, you I should, never heard you should of it read it. Read it's really good. Oh, oh God. Well, you should because you're missing out on the Berenstain Bears and Frog and Toad. <laughs> well, hey, there's one other book I would do. I would, I would probably add uh, Brady Snell's American Psycho so I can masturbate to all the death scenes. Holy oh, shit. Jeez. Let's uh, move on. Well, while you're doing that, yeah, we've got Simon Blabby. No, we already did that oh, one. Sorry. You're way behind. <laughs> Francis Cook asks, what books are the losers most and or least looking forward to in the upcoming 90s run? I got one. Well. You mentioned it before. I am so excited to read Needful Things this, yeah, week, this year. I've read Needful Things three times. Jesus. Um, because, like, I, like, it's like I read Tommyknockers three times, too. It's like I, when I was growing up, I reread these books mm-hmm. over and over again, and I absolutely adore Needful Things. And But the thing is, I haven't read it. Um, As an adult? Oh No, I read it when I was in college, I remember. I read it, like, uh, so it's, but it's still been a long time and I loved it when I was in college too, but did you read it like a kegger or something? <laughs> yeah, I was at a kegger. Like, uh, Randall, you want some beer? And you're like, wait, I'm on chapter 17. On, let me finish this chapter first. Polly's uh, here. No, I'm very, very excited for needful things, which we're going to get to pretty quick because we're doing four past midnight. Um, uh, is our next uh, one. We're going to be doing a uh, series wastelands. of episodes on that. And then we're doing wastelands, the third dark tower book. And then we're doing needful things. So needful things to me is, is, is an excellent King ensemble book. It's a latter day one. It doesn't feel like Salem's not necessarily, but I love the way that it unfolds. But you know what book I'm also looking forward to is, uh, the Regulators, which is a Bachman book. Yeah. It came out in 1996 along with Desperation, and I'm excited about both of those. It's a twin novel, right? Yeah, yeah. And Regulators to me is a book that I feel like when I read it, there's like a nihilistic quality to it. It's like an ugly fucking book, you yeah. know? And I can see why he wrote it under the Bachman name, and this was like the death of Bachman was this book. Yeah. And it is like 
it is like nasty and I am very looking forward to it because I want to see if it holds up um, and whether I like it more or less because it is an extremely unsentimental book. And uh, whereas I'd say Desperation is a fairly sentimental book. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I think it's sort of a really I'm very excited for sort of our, our run of episodes on the Desperation Regulator saga because that to me is uh, is 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 an intriguing and under discussed era of King. I'll go with you on that. I I watched Desperation, the TV mm-hmm. miniseries, which it I sucks. did not like at it all. Sucks. Yeah. However, I like I like the I love the idea at first, mm-hmm. but then as they get into the nitty gritty of it, I didn't like it. So that's why I'm really interested in the Regulators as this weird twin version of that or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm really excited because this has been kind of a big book of debate. Is Insomnia? Oh, I'm really yeah. excited to read that finally. <laughs> Uh, I like in it. all seriousness. Justin I'm re- yeah, Justin it. hates it, and Randall loves it. So I'm really interested in seeing where I fall there. And of course, uh, Needful Things. I'm I'm actually really looking forward to the Gerald's Game, Dolores Claiborne, and Rose Matter trifecta because yeah. aren't those all tied into the? Yeah, they're all um, they're they're linked. The Eclipse books. Uh, Dolores Claiborne and Gerald's Game are linked in the Eclipse manner, but Rose Matter is tied in in the sense that I believe it's like. King wanted to write three books about women who overcame instances of abuse. Oh, okay. okay. And that's what those three books are about. So, but I joke about Rose Matter occasionally, like I did on the last episode, because it's not. It's not considered one of King's best, and I think King has even said he doesn't love it too much, but I actually remember a lot from that book, like more than I think I would. And I would say this, it's like Gerald's Game. Those are books that really weren't meant for kids to be reading, you know, whereas like you can see a kid reading Salem's Law. And when I say kid, I mean like, you know, 11, 12, 13 years old, Mm -hmm. like, you know, whereas the themes are so mature in those books that um, and even Needful Things is a book that I feel like, you know, I read when I was 13, but I feel like you have to be a little bit older to really grasp and really understand what's going on in the, in books like Rose Matter and Gerald's Game. And so I'm excited to revisit those as an adult because I've never revisited those as an adult. And I've never read any of these as, again, as we continue through this, yeah. Mike, what are there any, what's your favorite, what's the book you're looking forward to the most and least? Well, needful things for sure. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the least, I don't know. I mean, I'm not really, you know, Jones and for too many of the other books, to be honest with you. Like I, I've, I've heard mixed things pretty much about every one of the books in the nineties. You know, there's always, you know, you look back at the old iconic books that he's written in like the seventies and eighties. And for the most part, everyone's pretty stoked and pretty, you know, praiseworthy with those. Whereas with these, like I've heard mixed reactions for pretty much every one of these books, even the green mile. I've heard people say like some negative things about. So, but that also excites me because I have no idea where we're going with this. Yeah. It's like the, it's like yeah. the murkiest decade, even over the odds for me, because I've read pretty well, much all of his books in the odds, but this is just like, I don't know. So for me, like looking at the log lines for a lot of these, I don't know. Like Rose Matter seems a little weird with like the whole Greek mythology angle. Well, it goes uh, deep in it too. Yeah. It's a little much. I'll for me. say this. Looking at the list because I brought up the list, I'm actually more excited yeah. uh, than I than I thought I was. Yeah, uh, it's actually a pretty decent run of books. In my, well, at least uh, ones of interest. I think. Well, yeah. Well, that's my thing. I, I think a lot. Some of the um, uh, a good handful of these have adaptations, uh, film adaptations. So that's, yeah. that'll be fun. But they're also uh, they're also books that I they're the Stephen King books that I know the most in the sense that. Like I always remember seeing these books on the shelves because I was getting into reading in the nineties and like, you yeah. know, like I remember seeing Rosemary, I remember seeing Gerald's game, the, the, the handcuffs on the, on the, you know, like they're, they're, they're you book, covers the book covers that, yeah. that resonate with me the most. Cause they were the most available at the times in which I was like really getting into reading and really getting into horror. So I'm, I'm really excited to, to read some of these. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. like I love green mile. I remember sobbing after I finished the green mile. Uh, when I read the book and then desperation and regulators to me are like, that's such an exciting era. And then uh, even bag of bones, like, which I remember I did not really like when I read it. I'm excited to revisit that one. The one I am not excited to revisit is 1999's the girl who loved I was Tom gonna, Gordon. Yeah, I was going to mention that one. Which I you did didn't not like, like then, and I don't think I would like now no. either. Well, it's a slim book. I, I so. don't, it's slim, which helps. Yeah, part of me remembers Justin liking that, but I don't know. Well, he likes sports. Yeah, he's he a loves sports. Jock. Though, yeah, <laughs> jeez. 
All right. Let's move on. Uh, Mac, who is our next questionnaire? Evan Purcell. I just finished listening to the Tim Burton filmography podcast. Uh, Listen to filmography. Another podcast on our uh, Consequence Podcast Network. What would be the best Stephen King property for vintage 80s, 90s Burton? Hmm. That is a good question. That is a really good question. And honestly, like, I know this seems cliche to say, but it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, because he could get the humor. Yeah. You know what I mean? I actually think that's a really good answer because he works in that kind of carnival funhouse aesthetic, Mm -hmm. but then he also has the darkness, but then he also understands the humor. If if it was in prime Burton era, then I'd be into an it from him. Yeah. I think that's a good answer. Yeah, I'm trying I'll, to think I'll, of I'll abide by that. Or maybe yeah. even Christine. Christine I, could I, be I cool. I was thinking that. Yeah. For, 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 I don't know why, because it's not like Tim Burton's ever done anything like that. But he understands. I feel like, though, Christine is inherently silly. Mm-hmm. It, the, the car idea aspect. Yeah. Like, I think you could pull a lot of really dark humor out of that. Yeah. And the way that he uses, um, I think like Beetlejuice, the way that he uses, uh, like effects and, um, I I can see Christine becoming kind of this monstrous, like alive being almost, you know, like really take it farther than like just kind of, you know, running people down. You know what I mean? Uh, I could see that. Mm -hmm. Mike thoughts. I think that's a good one too. Yeah. You know, if we're going back into the seventies stuff, like even just having like LeBay played by Michael Keaton. I know, right? <laughs> you like sitting in the car yeah. and like, ghost LeBay. You wanna get you wanna get going? Like, oh, 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 come on, come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Mike, you wanna nice take this fucking next question? Plymouth. Um <laughs> God. Uh, okay, Christine Spao. Um she writes regarding the conclusion of the stand. Is then in, is is then entire is the entire journey of Larry Glenn Ralph and Stu for naught? If the if the end of the story lies in Vegas blowing up to the credit of Trash Can Man and his dedication to Flag, would the end be any different if the members of the Free Zone hadn't trekked to Las Vegas? Can I take this? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. I, uh, no, <laughs> just move on. No, no explanation. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. I think I think it's crucial that they go on the track because they draw everyone and flag, and yeah. they keep they keep everyone. They they bring everyone to that one center point. Now they don't know that flag gets away at the end technically, but you know, like he's the only reason is they're there. That they're they're all there. You know what I mean? They're all distracted. They're all that one point. Otherwise, you know, trash because if, if they if they weren't there, they'd probably be halfway to, you know, Hemingford home <laughs> and trash came in, have to like catch up with them yeah. and then they'd take out Hemingford home as well. You know what I mean? I, I think it's it, it's important that they go on that trek, that journey. Um and I also don't question what God wants. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. Let's move on. Uh, Andy Dutton says, I am a regular Goodreads user and regularly update my account and have a reading challenge. How do you guys, one, decide what slash who to read? Two, how many King books a year uh, do you read? And is this dictated by the upcoming pod episodes? And three, how do you decide on your goal or book slash year ratio? Uh, Mike, do you want to start? Well, one, we decide on what to read because we're going chronologically. Yeah. Um, well, I, well, I, I think he's talking well, from reading this. I, I, well, yeah, I think I think because the way this reads, I think he just means like you as a reader. Oh, well, like, like not just that, not even not just on the podcast necessarily. Well, I just read uh, Fangoria magazine and I read Stephen King <laughs> books that I'm assigned because uh, I don't have any time personally. But the person who does read nonstop and always updates Goodreads like a Nazi is Justo. <laughs> um, yeah, like, like a Nazi. Yeah. Well, no, no. But seriously, I get I get updates. Yeah, like like. Like a person who killed no. um, didn't Nazis burn books? Yeah, they did burn books, and they don't. They didn't like. Uh, they didn't like books or Jewish people. But um, no. But I get email updates about Justin's Goodreads status like every fucking morning. Like it's ridiculous. Hey, the so guy. The guy loves to read. He wakes up every Saturday morning. He goes downtown to Chicago uh, and gets uh, Chick Fil A or whatever he prefers, and then he rides around on the train for a few hours and reads. So it, it's he's a got a, an amazing constitution in terms of uh, reading. So. I'm going to pass this over to Randall because I, I also primarily read King books and, um, 
and live and breathe and die by this podcast. So I'm not really great to answer that. At least the number one question. Uh, but go yeah, number it. one, I would say that I I always reread the books of um, of the episodes that I'm going to be on. But I've read the. Med- I've read almost, yeah, I've read everything that we've covered so far at some point in my life. So if I'm not on the episode, I'll usually skip that one unless I really want to reread it. But yeah, the way that I choose books, because I always do want to be reading something. And so I often, uh, and the thing is, I, I am, I was actually thinking about this earlier when I was looking over the questions. I love being scared by books, mm-hmm. but it so rarely happens to me. Like I don't get really scared by entertainment very often. And I want to be more like, it's something I weirdly long for. Randall's a badass. No, I'm not a badass. It's like, <laughs> no, it's just like, it's like, um, you know, movies get under my skin and stuff, but every now and then I'll see something and it'll be the weirdest thing that'll really get under my skin. Like I remember one night and, uh, wait, what were you going to say? I'm going to say, I just watched Excalibur with Justin again the other day. And, uh, if you haven't seen that, John Borman's Excalibur is a great, great version of, uh, King Arthur legend. However, uh, I want to say you're like Lancelot. You're like, you're like, no, you are, you're, 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 you're like the knight that like, is has to like has no one's beaten him like you're like you're looking for you're looking for that night you're looking for that story that's going to that you're going to pledge your you're finally going to break down be like wow you you got me you scared me i'm pledging i'll pledge my allegiance to you fuck off no i'm serious i'm being serious i know but let me just say let me say though that the things that do end up scaring me are always really stupid and it's like i'll always remember God, this was years ago. I remember I came home after like a party one night and I wanted to watch like a horror movie and it was like midnight and I turned on fucking Grave Encounters, which I think I made you watch. Grave Encounters? No, I haven't seen it. It's like a Canadian found footage (laughs) horror movie that I remember I looked it up on Rotten Tomatoes and it had like a 51% rating and I was like better than half for a horror movie that I've never heard of on Netflix is pretty good. So I watched it and that movie is Look, I'm not here to say it's the best movie, but it and, it, and the, the thing is like it's digital because it was made so cheaply. Yeah. It's digital effects look really cheap, but the way that those digital, those cheap digital effects are shot really fucking unnerved me really? in really good ways. And oh. I showed this movie. You might've been there, Mike, when I showed that mm-hmm. I showed it to like you and Dan and Justin. And I thought you were there, but maybe, maybe not. I was, I just not for just forgetting but the thing is like, that's the thing is I remember watching it with you guys and you guys liked it, but like. It's like I watched it at the right time, the right place, and it really got under my skin, and I had nightmares that night about it, and it really bothered me, and I kind of loved that, like, as much as it scared me, and my new thing, and the thing is, I'm always looking for horror novels that will do that, but it's hard for me to find it even when I like them. Like, I'll just like a book, but it won't scare me. I still find often that King will get under my skin more than any other author. Like, I still think about moments in It that that we've been talking about and things like when we talked on the Kingies about the moments that scared me. Those are things that genuinely scared me. But uh, but often I'll go read fucking like Reddit threads where people talk about yeah. ghost stories. That's the stuff that gets me. Yeah. Most. Like yeah, when you read like when you read um, like go to Reddit threads where the whole thing is like, no, these are real ghost stories. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, they're all fucking fake. But I read them and I want to believe they're real. Like that's why like I remember like Mike. There's probably been two or three nights where I just make you tell me all your fucking ghost stories because I love hearing people's ghost stories. Like it really scares me. And I remember like one night being in my parents' basement reading because um, I I've told the story on the podcast before on one of our Souls Midnight episodes. But I went out to this haunted road in Michigan with my friends mm-hmm. once yeah, called yeah. Morrow Road. And I and then I remember after I'd been there, I read accounts of people on like message boards who had gone there, and their accounts like gave me nightmares. Yeah. Like, it was scary you know what i mean no that's that that type of stuff is what really chills me to the bone and like and i and i definitely love that though yeah and i and i think that like for example like when i was down in florida visiting my family recently and um we were just going down our wormhole that we usually do on youtube uh, and i was like does anyone remember mtv sphere and no one did. So I was like, all right, we'll find it on YouTube. You're going to be able to find it there. And so we watched it and they were all like really into it because it's the whole premise of MTV's fear was that you're going to put, it's like a reality show where you had a bunch of like, 
it's basically real world in haunted locations all yeah. across we the, talked about know, it on our it episode oh yeah we about did the actually. trailer yeah. yeah yeah so basically you know we watched that and then we, i went down a rabbit hole that night of just looking up all these locations that they had and seeing like what some of the accounts they have and there's so much conviction with what people write and post online that you're talking about with like the Reddit threads that you really do believe it. And as someone who I totally a hundred percent believe in ghosts, like I just started getting like really creeped out by it. And it's that type of stuff that once your imagination takes over and makes it, makes you believe it is real. It's just all bets are off. And that's why it's always just going to, that stuff is always going to be more, more frightening to me than anything like fictional story. But you know, there, no, I, I agree with you. And I, I think that's what I go down that rabbit hole too. Yeah. And I, I decide, I think I decide on my goal for books per year per year is, um, <laughs> I'm just doing that's a the bad segue. <laughs> it's just, we got so off track, but I love that stuff. Cause you know what? I think this, I think this is just a good indicator that we need to, we need to do another souls. Midnight we do. Soon. Yeah. Because we, especially the three of us, because I think we all definitely believe in that kind of stuff, or at least are very interested. And we should definitely adjust in the this. idea that, <laughs> And, and, and so, so Andy, we're sorry we didn't answer this question the way you want, but we're going to have Justin <laughs> directly answer you yeah. because he does have a rhyme and reason and he'll get very specific about it. He's our, our, our Gerberlytics, uh, man. Well, and he is our Gerberlytics man. And I just found his <laughs> notebook filled with the Kingy's Gerberlytics the other day when I was cleaning the office. I was like, what is this? Oh yes. Um, okay. So the next is, Ooh, it's a top user. Also Brian Burnett, good friend of the pod. By the way, yeah, yeah. Uh, what if it turned out Stephen King actually did kill John Lennon? If you've never heard of this, that's an actual conspiracy theory. Would you give him up or are you in for good? Now, I didn't know this until we got this question in the bag of yeah, bones. What, what's the conspiracy here? It is a here? crazy long theory that involves a van that appeared one day that said that Stephen King shot John Lennon, and it involves like Time and Newsweek and Richard Nixon and Ronald Reagan and basically this is this this, pre or post eleven twenty two sixty three. This is pre eleven twenty two sixty three for sure. Yeah, this is from the eighties. Oh um, wow! He I believed, found a website called Lennon Murder Truth com mm-hmm. slash Stephen dash Kings dash murder. It's out there. I mean, I had you know read this thing, and apparently this guy is Steve Lightfoot. He totally believes that there is this irrefutable proof that Stephen King shot John Lennon, and according to his website. He alleges that there are like a series of codes that are embedded in Newsweek, Time, and U.S. News and World Report, and they all point to this true nature of the crime. I mean, it's it's, it's ridiculous because, especially since Mark David Chapman um, actually confessed to it, uh, and we've seen photos <laughs> and, and whatnot. So, I mean, it's there's a lot of you know truth there. But basically, CNN even has a timeline. It was like basically talking about how. Um, you know, it's not even worth going all of the details, but basically they believe that King was, was hired, um, to, to, you know, that Richard Nixon and Ronald Reagan arranged for Stephen King to assassinate Lennon. I mean, it's fucking ridiculous. And then even in this, they say like, he's barely famous, which isn't true in the slightest because in 1980, he was already a huge author. So whatever, it's it's um, a BS thing. So let's just say if it did turn out to be true, uh, would I would I hate him? Well, John Lennon was my least favorite Beatle, so I'm would just you give him up? Would you give him? Up? I wouldn't give him up if he's written like it's writing like it would actually make him more frightening to me. We wouldn't you know have the what? Pod we got, would have the pod, by the way. I gotta say, <laughs> my father is a huge Beatles fan. Yeah, I I probably would have sold out Stephen King. I probably would have given him up. If I had to sadly, rank, I mean, I we'd still have those books before. Right, if you had to rank the Beatles members, how do you rank them? Oh, this is hard. In, in what sense? Just the best Beatles. Uh, I'm going to go uh, Paul. Yep. George. Ringo. No, Lennon Ringo. Oh, wow. That's, that's kind of cl- close. Can to I mind. rank them as actors? Yes, go for it. Uh, John. No, Ringo, John, Paul, and George. George is the worst actor. He was a pretty bad actor, and he didn't even do anything in Help, which is my favorite Beatles movie. I love Help. I love have a Help. lot of thoughts on Help. Uh, love Help. For me, Paul, the way. Uh, number two is uh, is Ringo. And, number two uh, is Ringo. Yeah, number two is Ringo. Why? Because I think he has got a great attitude about life. 
<laughs> has nothing to do with him being a beetle, though. I think, he, but he he does because he's 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 had some great uh, you know flamboyance to yeah, uh, guy the Beatles. Sat, guy sits in the back of the stage there every every show. <laughs> I, I I I think I think that uh, I think Harrison's probably third, even though I don't like that. I think Harrison's the reason why they got a little too serious. Um, because I'm an early know, Beatles fan. Let me, I don't know. Keep going. And the last is Lennon because he's a hypocrite. He says, okay. "Give peace a chance." He, so, he abandons his son. He, you know, he, oh, I abandoned you know what? my Everybody son. Everybody, not his wife. You know what? People are not perfect. People are not perfect. Well, I, you know, this this led me to an interesting idea. Is is I, I kind of want to charge King to write. He's such such a big rock and roll fan. I know. Why didn't he write like a ghost story that that involves like? A rock haunting star? a band over the years for some, mm. something's haunting them or something. I don't know. Like just the idea of like a band and in a horror story. Have they done that before? I don't know. But what if he wrote Deathgasm? I like that. I like that gasm. Yeah. And <laughs> I just got so much stupider by reading that John Lennon. It's, it's oh, ridiculous. Boy. It's a little ridiculous. That dude is over um, the top. Hey, yeah. good question. Uh, Brent. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Brian. Uh, James Perry writes King has had some great collabs. That's like something I would say. And some not so great. Who would you want to see him collaborate with that he hasn't worked with yet? And why? Uh, I don't think I'm into it. I don't want any collabs. I don't either. I, I don't really traditionally like his collaborations other than the cheese mar. I, I, I like Gwendy's button box, but I, I'm going to say Neil Gaiman. I would love Ooh. to see because because of the fantasy angle that he could, that he brings to it. I would love to see him pull, more fantasy aspects out of King because King's clearly a fan. Yeah. And I think that that would be really interesting to see that because I love Neil Gaiman's stuff. I don't think that there's any of it that gets really horrifying except if you're, I, I don't know, maybe you're reading Sandman or something, but I, I would, I think that that would be a really cool combo. Well, he's got a real, you know, rich grasp on history too. So if you can yeah. kind of compare them, you know, pair them up to the other, uh, speaking of Neil Gaiman, uh, this section of the episode is sponsored by Amazon's good omens <laughs> premiering this Friday, May 31st, uh, on, on Amazon prime. You know, Find it. Michael Sheen and David Tennant on a wacky adventure. John to stave off I, the apocalypse. I finished Bosch and I was, <laughs> I finished Bosch and, uh, let me, it was plug Patriot on Amazon oh, Prime. I've heard that's good. Actually, really good. Uh, I definitely recommend it. Um, Are you telling me I that like, going to walk? Amazon away. Prime's got some good shows going on right now. It, it's got some decent shows on it. Oh. It's got some good shows. And I was going to walk away from it, but then I saw that Good Omens is coming out. You and, gotta and, keep it. And I, I've not read the book, but. I, I'm like I gotta watch this show. We're, we're I don't know if it's gonna episodes. be any good. It might be too crazy, but it's only six episodes. Oh, I'm totally gonna it's watch it. It's only six. It's six episodes and it's finite because Neil Gaiman says that this is it. This is this is the where the story oh, ends. Well, then that's great. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm totally watching. I was at yeah. the uh, panel they did at South by. That it was, was kind of cool to see John Hamm. It was really person. cool. He was he was he was uh, he was hamming it up. And <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Um, uh, what about you? Jeff Siedek says, I finished Bizarre of Bad Dreams last week and have finally read. <laughs> oh, I didn't have an answer for that. Okay, one. okay. Sorry. I was like, holy shit. Uh, I finished Bizarre of Bad Dreams last week and I have finally read all of King's published works for now anyway. Which loser, this is so easy, which loser has read the most of King's work and how many does she, uh, he or she have left to read? Damn. Caffrey. Caffrey's only <laughs> missed Caffrey. like two novels and I think it's his most it's recent It's the latest ones. ones. Yeah. He has, because he's in grad school, he hasn't read like The Outsider and um, he, he hasn't read the, I don't think he's finished the Mercedes trilogy. Yeah, he hasn't finished Mercedes and he hasn't read The Outsider, but dude has read everything. everything. Even like Dan reads, short stories that were like not published. Yeah, because yeah, Dan reads like Dan's like Dan's anybody. like Johnny Five. He is Johnny <laughs> this Five. This guy is reading books in like a second. It's insane. Yeah, and I would say second one would probably be what, Justo? Uh, I'd say me. Yeah. I've read more than Justo. Really? Oh, yeah. Throwing down the gauntlet. Throwing it down, baby. <laughs> oh, I'd say Justo and I are probably, no, because there was like several that we've, or I feel like there was like a few. Because you've read most of the 90s output. I've read all the 90s output. Okay, so Justo hasn't. Yeah, I've read every single, I've like, I think I read every King book that we've done so far plus the 90s output. So I don't think I start missing books until, oh, I hadn't read Cycle of the Werewolf. That was the only one that we've done so far that I hadn't read. Mm. Um, wait, let me scan this and see where I find my first book I haven't read. I will say that out of the those that have seen the most adaptations, I uh, I might have taken the prize on that one because I had to watch all those really, really yeah. shitty adaptations for that case. fucking huge giant list that we did for Stephen King or for uh, C.O.S. Yeah, I was on 
on that too. I, I've yeah. seen, and that's the thing is what I love about Stephen King is, you know, my first introduction was all those adaptations. Yeah, I've, I've seen too. almost all of them, I feel. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. So I, yeah, but gap, definitely books. No, I, I clearly have not read any yeah. except for the dark tower. Series. My gap start in 2005. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when I haven't read the Colorado kid. I haven't read cell. I haven't read. You've never Bla- read Cell? No, that's like a big gap for you me. You can finish that in like an hour. I know. I haven't read Blaze. Um, Blaze being Blaze. Gotcha. Just Blaze being Blaze, and then I haven't read Joyland. I heard Joyland's a lot of fun. Justo likes that one. And then I've oh, and I haven't read Sleeping Beauties. Justo read that. I've read everything else. And you read wow. The Outsider, and yeah. Justo hasn't oh, read that, so yeah. that's where you cancel out. There, I, uh, so. I'm I'm ahead of Justo. You can tell him and tell him to. I will tell eat him some fucking shit. Uh, <laughs> um, I will tell him that. <laughs> all right, uh, so let's move on. Uh, do you want to take the next one? Sure, uh, Matt Elliott. Friend of the pod. Another friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. Uh, everyone's a friend of the pod, but some people friends. are more friends of the pod. <laughs> if you could have the one and only Joe Bob Briggs co-host the next King Film Festival with the Losers Club, what films would you want to show, and what do you think would be some of his drive-in totals? Now, I'm going to pass this over to Mike, but let's just let's be honest. If Joe Bob Briggs was co-hosting this next King Festival, he's hosting the festival. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, well, I mean, we're there standing in the background, you know, saying we're not worthy. Uh, we love Joe Bob here. And uh, Mike, what do you think uh, would be some films that he would choose? Uh, did you ask him this question? Uh, here, no, I did not. You, you just talked to him recently. I, I did ask which ones he liked because we did talk to him back in March. Here's a fun fact that I've never disclosed on this podcast. We were uh, talking about inviting Joe Bob to host or to come out to talk uh, for a big discussion for to be a guest on our episode for the first King Festival last summer. And we didn't because it was a little, uh, much of a Hail Mary, uh, you know, invitation. So we decided to, to not do it. Uh, but he was considered for that first um, film festival, which Matt, you did uh, attend uh, because you had to watch me eat nachos or steal nachos from <laughs> one of uh, right. <laughs> one of the uh, food vendors that we had. Uh, but um, for me, he loved. He said he liked uh, Christine, and he said that uh, he thought that there was an, one of the more underrated classics. So I'd probably have him do Christine and maybe pair it with Maximum Overdrive. I think those would be like a two, you know, good. Uh, that would be a good last driving um, double feature for sure. So some of his one of his last driving totals for that would be like Fender Foo. Yeah, Fender Foo, <laughs> <laughs> Simpsons Foo, because uh, Yardley Smith is in uh, Maximum Overdrive. Um, so yeah, that's, th- those are the two I would, I would try to go for. And I think he would have a lot of fun with that. And, um, uh, unless we want to do all four hours or five hours of the stand. Whew. Anyway, well, he, Lloyd, yeah, he, Elmore, in it. <laughs> yeah. Lloyd Elmer Jr. asks, if you were to start a Stephen King religion, what book would you use as the Bible? This is easy. What is it? A stand. It's a stand, but also I'd say screw a, a Bible or screw a book. The Losers Club podcast. <laughs> oh, jeez. That to me is the ultimate Bible. It yeah. is the ultimate Bible. It's a very pessimistic Bible. <laughs> My life for him. Uh, John Paul Rivera asks, if you had to replace Molly, a.k.a. the thing of evil, what pet? Well, well A, we would never do that. Never do it. Uh, Next question. <laughs> what pet would you assign to Psy King, and what would you name the uh, King's new pet? Uh, Cooge, not changing the name. No, definitely uh, I not. would pick a snake and uh, call it uh, Cooge. Jack Nicholson. <laughs> Jack Nicholson. <laughs> Would the snake like slither around being like, ah, I gotta get to the staples. All I can see, all I can picture is the snake from Disney's Robin Hood. <laughs> oh, I like that snake. That's a fun snake. I Mike? remember, isn't there a snake in the jungle book also? Uh, it's in the jungle. It's basically the same snake. It probably is the same it's snake. the same snake. Disney same, universe. Same voice. All right. Well, um, <laughs> Luan Romalo asks, what points of the Dark Tower do you think are unadaptable and will definitely have to be changed in the Amazon series? What do you think cannot be left out of the series? And he had some thoughts. Take this? I really doubt King will want to appear as himself in the show, so that part will have to be changed. Maybe just include the part of his accent, but never really show his face. I really want a badass Susanna, and I want all of her story to be told in the series. I feel like it will result in great bottle episodes. I'm going to toss this over to uh, the yeah, Tower. I think expert i think that stephen king will absolutely show if they if they if they continue the dark tower series into the actual books into the mm-hmm. into the future of the books yeah. and the future of the characters and have and we have susanna and everybody mm-hmm. um i think that what's unadaptable is song of susanna uh no i'm just kidding uh, <laughs> i think that stephen king will absolutely be in that i, I don't think why wouldn't he be 
I think that that would be he, he's he's cameoed in so many things of his own properties. Why wouldn't he be in it? Um, I I don't know. I, I think that uh, I think if you're going for it and and you're and you're getting picked up, they're going to do everything. I don't think there is mm-hmm. anything that's unadaptable in those books. I think the, with the effects these days and the things that we're able to do, I think you can effectively do everything. It's just a matter of how you translate it on the big screen. Well, or, also, or, what or, they could get TV, rights you know? for. I mean, like, that's what I'm get thinking. The Doctor well, Doom thing. You're not going to get Doctor Doom. I think that they would have to if cut. I think they'd have to cut Callahan because I don't think they would have rights to that book. Yeah. Or to Salem's Law. Which really sucks. And if you can't, I feel like you can't really bring him in without the knowledge of that story. I wasn't thinking rights wise. I was thinking like, I guess I was just thinking like, what can they do? Yeah. Like effects wise and stuff like that. I think it'd be also hard to sell the idea that you throw plates to kill people, but you know, that's <laughs> neither here nor there. Um, I, I would love, and to your point, I would love to see Susanna's whole entire story. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they could definitely clean it up. That's all I'll say there. Yeah. But uh, I, I think that that would be awesome. I mean, that I really wish that they would do that. I just don't think we're ever going to see it, at least not anytime soon. And if we do, it's going to be like 2025 to 20 or 2026, especially if like King's going to be involved. They're not going to get to Song of Xander or Dark Tower until I mean, God. the coolest and ballsiest thing Amazon could do is after this first season, just jump to now and have like Eddie and Suzanne, like just totally freak everybody out and just be like, Oh, we are going to do this. Mm-hmm. And this story is going to be anthology esque, And this story is going to be the next season. And like, Hey, great story rolling. And then they just keep walking and then just continues to drawing out of three years. <laughs> hey, thanks like for, that. thanks for that story. I couldn't yeah. sleep all night. The one uh, thing they got to keep boy. <laughs> I love away. Oi. Oh yeah. Especially if they get Molly, the thing of evil to play away. Yeah. I would love that. Just in a, I really, love in a really bad costume, <laughs> 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 in a really bad oi costume. <laughs> Uh, what do we got next here? How about Andrew Danner? He writes, since King apparently has an obsession with Holly Gibney, I think it's safe to assume he regrets not thinking her up sooner and putting her in some of his earlier works. How would she fit into another an earlier crime investigation, like in the dark half or the dead zone or anything else you can think of? And don't you think kink kink? Don't you think King would be much happier rewriting those books with her in them? No, keep her out. Yeah. Uh, I'm not familiar with Holly Gibney, but what, what does she do in these crime novels that she's just she like one of those in two. No, she's just like, an intuitive uh kind of why like like wise um presence like detective like uh but like not like a licensed detective but like kind of a homegrown detective kind of like she worked for bill hodges and then she kind of became her her own intuitiveness and her quirkiness kind of became this uh Hmm. a thing of its own but i think it'd be pretty cool if she like appeared in the the gunslinger (laughs) God, you're like, you know, well, well, I love the Beatles. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just don't. I'm not into Holly that much. I mean, maybe this next book that she's the star of will win me over. But uh, yeah, Byron Sauer asks, who would you have picked to play Pennywise in It uh, if it were a theatrical release in the 1980s or 90s? When reading, I keep thinking Nicholson would have been perfect. Mm, not in the 90s. I mean, he he was already kind of yeah, going with that stout look of his. If it were the 90s, I'd say Crispin Glover. Oh, yeah. I love Crispin Glover. In the 80s, 90s. Mm. In the 80s, I would have said, I could have seen Keaton doing it. Hmm. Yeah. Or um Patrick Stewart. <laughs> Patrick Stewart. <laughs> Get away from that sewer. Oh my god. I am like laughing so hard at Patrick Stewart. Um come on now. No, I, I, that's a good question because I think that it's it's hard. No one we ever all no one ever down here. <laughs> no one ever no one ever tries to recast that version of it or, or at least the Tim Curry version, because I think I would always go for Tim Curry mm-hmm. uh, every time. Um, but yeah, I think if you're doing a film version at the time, I'm trying to think of like bigger actors that were like scary or creepy that what, could have done it back then. What if you got I'm trying to think of villains in the eighties? Well, what if you got Richard Dreyfuss? Like, Tom, like, Oh, Oh, like a really weird version would have been like Clancy Brown. Oh yeah, I can see that. I like Clancy. Brown. I would have liked Clancy Brown to do it. That would have been a weird take because he's so huge. How about Tom Hanks? Oh yeah, 
You can't get it. What, what, what are you doing? You're going to the sewer. Come what about Come down here, kids? What about oh, what's what, popcorn down here? What about F. Murray Abraham? <laughs> you can't you can't come down the sewer. I think Tom Hulse would have been place. really good, actually. Oh, uh-huh. who? Tom Hulse. Tom Hulse. What, which From Amadeus. Oh yes, that actually he actually and would really Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. <laughs> what about I'd like, I'd like I'd like William Hurt. Oh, as, De Niro. As, uh, De Niro. <laughs> Robert De Niro. I was like gonna yeah. say like, like he's already played Frankenstein's monster. Come on, come on, get out of the sewer. Come on, come on, come on. Like get Sean Connery. No, no, just uh, just uh, just, just down the there, sewer just, there. Just around the just around the bridge. Come on, I'll give you a balloon. <laughs> what, what about hot off a of bull Durham, Kevin Costner? <laughs> Kevin Costner, Kevin Costner, who I I love, but plays himself in every movie. Yeah. He's just like, uh, come on, kid, you want to come down here? Yeah, want to uh, go for a catch? Come on, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, Georgie, you want to go for a catch? And then, and then cue the Field of Dreams music at the end. <laughs> That's some of the best music of all time, by the way. What if Michael Kamen did the score for it? It's it, like it, Michael K- no, Michael Kamen and Eric Clapton. It is just like a riff on the Lethal Weapon movies. <laughs> And you've got Danny Glover in the sewer. Oh my god, I'd love that. Danny Glover would Danny be Danny Glover, I think, actually that, kid, that's kind of a creepy kid, uh, get over here. Get over here. Getting too old oh, okay. chasing these. The actor that the actor kids. that played a pwn in aliens. Oh, that'd be good. Uh, get, get get look into my eyes. Secure that shit, Georgie. Get oh over, my god. Get over here. All right. So we definitely established that uh, Michael Douglas would be a great <laughs> You want to get fucked? You want to? <laughs> no, that's my him and uh, disclosure is my favorite Douglas. Uh, I'm uh, the greed is good sewer. Literally Sewage the stupidest bit. The stupidest oh, bit my God. friends and I had in college uh-huh. was we would just take any movie and be like, "What if it starred Michael Douglas in Disclosure?" <laughs> so we would just quote the movie. Like I remember, we did like the twelve, the you know, the Ten Commandments, and we were like, "Let or it's like, uh, is the, let my people go?" Is that the line? Yeah, let my people go. You want to get fucked? <laughs> I would love. I'm I'm telling you, this is the stupidest bit. Bringing this back to to seriousness to to round off this question that we've just <laughs> loved. Uh. Terry O'Quinn. I think Terry O'Quinn would have been a really good Pennywise. Oh, he was a guardian he, he of Pennywise. He plays that homie, like, fun, loving, but then he can turn on a dime like Stepfather. Like I, I stepfather, think that he would have yeah. been really good. I, I would be down for that, um, but I also would, uh, I want to get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. I would combine Disclosure Douglas with... V-neck Douglas from Basic Instinct. Ooh, that's hot as hell. Yeah, it is hot as hell. And what also is hot as hell is this next question from one of my favorite constant listeners who cracks me up every day on Twitter, Tim Vargulish. Ciao. If you could choose any two King characters and do a Freaky Friday on them, meaning they wake up one morning in each other's bodies and have to learn a valuable lesson about what it's like waking in other's shoes, who would you pick? P.S. I had a dream where I asked this question on the podcast a few months ago and have been waiting to ask it in real life. Dan in the real life. Oh, this is Tim in the real life. Um, So I would choose... um, so here's the question, I guess, would it be, so any two, any two King characters, I guess they don't have to coexist in the same book. Yeah. They, hmm. I like that. That is crazy. You I got what? it. You got to go okay, for bring it. bring it. Oh, no. Uh, the, the mind hive of the T-Nox. That's the Tommy Knockers. <laughs> I knew you were going to do it. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> now I want to ask you two what what questions would they learn? What would they learn about themselves? <laughs> oh God! I guess he'd be like, I-, I wish I didn't go chasing after bats, you know? Or I mean, what is the learn from Cujo? I mean, there's nothing. Cujo didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> you know, this actually did happen. And that's why all of the aliens died on the ship. <laughs> because they, all of a sudden, they were just a dog's mind. That's why they all killed each other. And that's why the book falls apart. Uh, woof, woof. Woof, woof. I, I think I would go with uh, Jack Torrance swapping with Stu Redman. What would they teach Ooh. each other? Uh, they wouldn't teach anything. Just imagine Jack Torrance in the lead of the stand. Uh, just He would hack and slash mm-hmm. his way to the top. <laughs> 
He would. He, Sorry, Mother Abigail. You ruined Mother Abigail's entire plan. Uh, I would do just to kind of break logic and and break King. I would uh, do George Stark and Tad Beaumont. Oh wow! <laughs> Two sides of the same person. Oh my god! Some trade. So what you, you that, that would be cool. What if you did? <laughs> Uh, George Stark swaps with Alan Pangborn <laughs> and then Alan Pangborn swaps with um, the, 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 the landlord in uh, the landlord. Yeah. In the landlord in dark half that, that, you know, gets uh, killed by um, Ted Bowen. Is that the guy who George gets Stark. his cock stuck in his mouth? That's the, where she goes up to his, uh, his apartment and sees that. Yeah. Uh, really quick. I wasn't on the Kingy's episode, but mm-hmm. I was really happy to see that George Stark got, a lot of votes. Oh yeah, yeah. I thought that for was kind of cool. I don't think he did get a lot of votes for best villain. I thought he would. No, he no was, I didn't get. To, he got kind of. He was. There, up, but not he too was far. like five or he was way up there uh, over a lot of other people that were yeah. just like one vote. You know, I was like, oh, I think that I think what in my opinion, I felt like a lot of people that have gone out and read or watched the dark half. I think we we got a little we gave him a, shed a little light on that uh, villain and I think that that's cool. Well, I would love it if Jar- George Stark was able to teleport out of an, into another book so that George Stark could do some stuff without having to be you know um, marginalized to every other page um, in that book because I I, I I thought the Dark yeah, Half we'll took see. a little too long to get going, but you know yeah. I wasn't on those episodes unfortunately. But Sam Powers asks, little non king here, what music are you listening to? What are we listening to? <laughs> um, Mike I, just made a face. Like, I don't listen to music. I know. I was just surprised. I was just surprised. No, I was no, like, Mike oh. did. Oh. Um, I, well, lately, um, well, you know, let me pull this up. I want to answer this honestly. Uh, uh, Randall, you want to take yeah, it? Yeah, I'll go. I, uh, I'm actually, a couple albums I've been into lately. There's an artist I like called Pronoun. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a sort of, in my opinion, uh, guitar forward, um, emotive sort of rock, very 90s uh, FM radio rock influence. And I'm you, a big fan. You like a bit, you're a big fan of the reviews that are out there for uh, for Pronoun also, right? Wait, what? Isn't that, was it, was it the Oh, yeah, I was bashing Pitchfork's <laughs> review because I thought it was shittily written, which is true. Um, anyways, I like Pronoun. That shit's good. Uh, a band I like called Slaughter Beach Dog. It's a spinoff of the band Modern Baseball. I got their new album in my inbox. It's not out till August, but it's really good. A couple singles are out now. I'd recommend that one. And uh, what's the other? And then I've been listening a lot to a British uh, punk band called Martha. Uh, I've been into them for a few years. They're really great, and they just released a new album this year uh, that is most excellent. And when I'm going to England in the fall, I think my stay is going to overlap with one of their shows. So oh, I'm very excited. Very cool. Very cool. But yeah, good shit. Um, I, I've been listening to uh, Japanese Breakfast. Oh, yeah. I really like that second album really grew on me. Mm-hmm. Um She's a lot Another, of fun live too. We saw her uh, last year. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, Lollapalooza. Federico Albanese is an instrumentalist, mm-hmm. and I've been listening to a lot of his stuff while reading King, which has been fun. Um, also, the new National album's great. Yeah. <laughs> that is fantastic. And uh, I've been li- I was listening to a lot of Billy Bragg mm. because uh, Justin and I just saw him live again and uh, love love his early stuff. Um, oh. Yeah. Uh, you know. I, I I've been circling around the same albums. I, I love Sharon Vettnetten's uh, new album. Oh yeah, reminding yourself. I I think that's a, a phenomenal album. My favorite still this year. Uh, I really 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 love Billie Eilish. Um, oh yeah, I, it's one of the most exciting artists I think that's out there right now. I cannot wait to see her in a few weeks yeah. here in Chicago. Yeah. I've been calling the Billie Eilish thing for you like have. two and a half. Years. Well, because you saw her at Lollapalooza and you saw like how insane that. Well, that was last was. year. Yeah. And but the thing was, I remember when I was reporting on the Emerge Festival a few years ago. Yeah. She was yep. booked for that, and yeah. I remember I researched her and I listened to her stuff, and I'm like, and she hadn't she only released a couple songs, and I'm like, she's gonna blow up. And then uh, I asked my niece, who my 13-year-old niece, because I was going to Lollapalooza last year. I was like, who is the – because I didn't know anybody because I'm old now. So I'm like, who should I go see while I'm there? And she's like, Billie Eilish, she is the shit. And she hadn't even released an EP by that point. And my 13-year-old niece is like, this is it. Wow. And then I went and saw her, and it was literally like the Beatles, man. Like it's the kids were going huge. crazy for her. But it's all earned. I mean, like I, what I love about oh, her is great. that she yeah. doesn't sound like anything really I've heard. She's just crosses just a wide swath of genres. Uh, her de- her debut album, not that, I, not that I really have to give any promotion for this thing, but When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? 
every song on that album is phenomenal. Um, references The Office in it. Uh, it's true. Which She's is awesome. She's a big fan. She's a huge fan. Who isn't? I, I've been, I'm on my third rewatch in the past year. Um, and I still haven't even, I haven't, haven't even watched Dead, Deadwood yeah, yet. So Jesus Christ. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> uh, but then also love some Tears for Fears. There isn't a oh, day yeah. that goes by where I don't listen to Tears for Never Fears. Never heard of them. So, oh, wow. Well, you're missing out. <laughs> You know what? Can I just do a brief sidebar? My uh, when I was in college, my friend had a show on the TV campus station. It was like a talk show, uh-huh. and he was trying to do banter with the guy who was the lead of his band. And this guy was horrible at banter. And this is like a college show; nobody's watching it. Mm-hmm. But we watched it because we were friends with the guy. And the guy, I remember he was like trying to make banter with the guy. He's like, "What'd you do over your holiday break?" And the guy's like, oh, "I did a lot of reading." He's like, "What'd you read?" He goes, "Ah, I read a book called The Hobbit." And he, and he like started talking about. It. He's just like, and he's like, uh, you know, it's great. I never read it before. I would recommend you check it out. And I remember the guy who was host. He was like, "Cool, we'll read the Hobbit." Thanks. <laughs> hey, I should note that we are at the two hour and thirty mark, which means that this need, random fucking needful tweets episode has somehow longer than our entire episode devoted to the dark half. Oh boy, so let well, that be known. Let's move on then. Uh, next question. This is a great name, by the way, Brock. Bur- Berkner. Yeah. Hell yeah. With the success of The Twilight Zone and his two horror films as a writer, producer, and director, is there any King property you'd like to see Jordan Peele adapt? I thought about this uh, right after us. Uh, I I think that he could actually do a really, really cool job with... God, I sound so cliche because I've already said this before, but I I mean, The Shining might be actually pretty cool with him. Just based on what he's able to do with the upside down, um, or not the upside down, but um, the someone's mind, the sunken else. place. I, I know. I, I just can't stop thinking about Stranger Things. Four weeks from now, look, we're going back to Hawkins, Indiana. <laughs> we're going back to Hawkins. <laughs> July fourth, Netflix. Be there. Steve uh, is hey, back. Can't he's going to be there with Dustin. They're going to be at Scoops Ahoy. Who knows what's going on at Scoops. the Starcourt Mall, which is a new character here in Hawkins, Indiana. Anyway, <laughs> the mall. It's like the town itself is a character. Yeah, it is. Uh, uh, but what Peel is able to do with the sunken place in Get Out, and also with the you know the, the sort of tethered with um with us in that sort of backstory, I, I kind of want him to just go all in on the backstory with with The Shining and see what he can do. Granted, I didn't like how he handled the exposition in that last act in Us, but I don't know. I, I just think like if anyone was supposed to do like a sort of inversion of of The Shining and, and give us something different that than Stanley Kubrick did, I'd be interested with, to see what he would do again. But Ari Aster, I'd think I would edge out. So I, I don't know. I, 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 I guess I can't really think of another one outside of that for for appeal that I would really want him to. to to grasp on too. He walks that line of comedy horror really w- real well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we were talking about this earlier, but I'd like to see him tackle like a Bachman thing, like, like running man, like, because that has to be funny, but I think you could also get really kind of scary with it. Yeah. In a way that's, um, not like ghost scary, but I just like some of those sequences, like, Oh God, that scene when he's in that, the pipe or whatever, mm-hmm. <clears throat> just stuff like that. Uh, I don't know. And I think, I think that he does really well on commenting on, um, having like a subtle commentary about what's going on in the real world. And I think running man definitely like would hit on that, you know? Yeah. So it wouldn't be like total foreign territory in that sense, but I don't know. Let's, uh, let's move on. What we got next? We got, uh, Scott Bauman asked King created Bachman because he wanted to write in a different style as someone else and avoid everything that would come with name recognition and his fame. He was eventually outed, but did he, uh, completely get that writing as someone else in a different style urge out of himself? Assuming King has successfully created another pseudonym, what genre is he writing under a fake name? I have an easy answer for this. Uh, sports bullshit. Yeah. He loves writing about baseball. He could easily do that. And we would never know. I don't think, especially since he's, you know, he's, he's sparingly mentioned baseball and his, his novels. And, you know, he does references here and there, but if he went all in, I, I mean, I, I, I don't really know. And he could have, I mean, what, what's the one book that he had a butcher or not, or um, something Billy brought up blocky Billy. Yeah. Blocky Billy. I, I, I bet you he could have, you know, published that in a different name and people wouldn't even know, you know, especially given the artwork and attached to that and all. Mac, any thoughts? Um, no, they joked about Amish romance, but I, I, I kind of think uh, it'd be interesting if he did like a romance novel, not, not like the, not like a cheesy romance novel, it's a but a big chunk of pound like, cake. 
<laughs> no, but I think to see him do go because we joke about pound cake to see him as a writer now really tackle a real dramatic romantic story and because some of that stuff he's done really really well. Mm-hmm. So I think it would be a challenge and it, he would have to it, it would be putting him in a box and I think that that's when you're when you're bringing your, the best out of yourself is when you've 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 kind of censored yourself in a sense. So, yeah. I got one. He's going to write screenplays for the Fairley brothers. <laughs> he's going to write book? He's going to write the next green book. Oh boy. You know. So, sign me out. Yeah, no, it's okay. Uh, Kaylin Bronson asks, Beverly Marsh, Donna Trenton, Jesse Burlingame, and Susanna Dean are all transported to a slasher movie. Who is the final girl? Who's Jesse Burlingame? Uh, Gerald's game. Oh, okay. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, I'm going to go with Susanna Dean. Yeah. It's hard to bet against her. Yeah. Yeah. I was just about to say that, that's kind of an easy question in that sense. I think Susanna for sure. But if you want to pull a little alien and uh, kill off Susanna in the middle of the movie, probably Bev. Got to go with Bev. I'm going to go with Donna Trenton. Ooh. Well, she sits in a fucking car the whole she time. She fucking kills it in that movie or the book. I mean, think about the the odds that are stacked against her. I mean, she's got no resources, just the sun and cucumber sandwiches or whatever the hell that she had in the, the Love lunch a good box. cucumber sandwich. That's true. So she, she'd probably just like find a hiding place and just wait it all out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then come she out again. Oh, he gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we've reached the end. <laughs> one last question. Bones. One last this one. This is a big one, too. Pierre de Bettermaker writes clearly the Tommy knockers takes place on a different level of the tower than it. For example, in the T Knox universe, love it. Love it. You <laughs> just love you. it. <laughs> Stephen King is a writer and the shining is a movie based on his work. While Dick Halloran is an actual person in it. And Stephen Edwin King was a guy in 1905 murdered by Claude Harrow In the Tommy knockers. Pennywise still lives beyond 85. Do you think this means it succeeded in killing the losers club or that it never encountered the losers at all? My brain is broken. I think, um, I think dairy never really survives. I think that they temporarily win, but I think that they'll always be haunted by it. So I think that that's what, Gardner sees on the road. Is it Gardner that sees uh, the No, it's the like road, the right? two teens that leave to go get batteries. Oh, you're right. You're yeah. right. Sorry. Oh. I've, and they're like hallucinating. I've already forgotten that book. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I, I think it's just a fun little throw in there, but if, if we're saying that this takes place on a different par- a path of the beam, then maybe in this version it did win. And yeah. it's still around. Yeah. I mean, we hear, I mean, you know, it bizarre, shows up yeah. in, uh, I mean, we get flashes of it in Dreamcatcher too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe Dreamcatcher and, and T-Nox take place on the same beam. The we'll beam of T-Nox. <laughs> we'll never know. Ass beavers. The ass beavers. Wait, what are they called again? Ass something. Um, ass from, munchers. <laughs> from the, from the, from Dreamcatcher or? Yeah. That like, oh, ass weasels. Ass weasels. weasels. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Ass beavers. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think is who do you think your new nickname <laughs> no longer rock and randall ass randall beaver, ass randall beaver, beaver colburn <laughs> hey i always will have a soft spot for uh dream catcher because my boy tommy jane is tommy in jane dream love catcher. tommy jane yeah. let's just end this on a big tom jane hug i love yeah, just tommy. Say, this is one this one's for tj love tj hey thomas jane congratulations and thank you for everything. <laughs> and uh, on that note, oh, this has been lovely. This has been fun. We're back with uh, Four Past Midnight coming soon. We're going to talk with the Langoliers. We're going to talk about Secret Window, Secret Garden, the Library Policeman, and Sundog. So we hope you're reading that. Uh, and as you're waiting, just enjoy some long days and uh, pleasant, pleasant nights. nights. See you in the Consequence Podcast Network.